Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to AD Moto Live number 26, where we talk about super awesome new bike, Harley Davidson's new Pan America. You know, for decades now, overseas companies basically dominated the adventure motorcycle market. It seemed like the rest of the world realized how important this segment was not only to riders, but to the industry itself. Sorely missing was a viable entry from the United States. Until just recently, Harley Davidson's new Pan America 1250 looks to be coming in hot and heavy. What's the scoop? How did it come to be? And how does it ride? Stay tuned to this episode of ADV Moto Live. But first, a little bit of quick news. This just in, the Motorcycle Industry Council uh, has just reported that there, uh, the new dual sport sales are up 47% this quarter compared to last year's first quarter. Now, the first quarter of last year, I think we were all kind of ramping up into the COVID madness. Uh, and I think at that point in time, a lot of us, especially in the industry, were wondering what was going to happen and trying to make adjustments. But, you know, seeing the second and third quarter comparisons will probably be more telling. Nevertheless, I'm always excited to see this kind of news. It explains a lot of stuff like why you can't buy anything from gear, armor, helmets, bags, everything seems to be sold out. I know that a lot of people in the industry are working hard to correct that right now and make this available to all those new riders. It's absolutely fantastic because, you know, 11 years ago when we took over ADV Moto, this class of bike virtually didn't exist as far as mainstream motorcycle media was concerned. And, you know, we had some discussion of this on a recent podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits, which we will put in the link below. But while more people have hopped on since, the fundamental message is the same. Practical, versatile, and comfortable bikes of all sizes have a demand in the U.S. and beyond. So much so, that brings us to tonight's hot topic. All right, we have some awesome guests tonight. Very lucky and happy to have them in the show with us. And they're ready to answer some questions on uh, some, some burning issues here. What's up with the Pan America? Joining us tonight are not only fans of the bike, but some responsible for their launch and development. Everyone, please welcome Kelly Quinn, AKA Throttle Girl, Matt Swedlin up there in the top right, He's the PR lead and Matt Paradise, lead engineer on the bottom. How's it going, guys? Hey, going awesome. Good. Awesome. All right. Everyone is unmuted and we are ready to roll. So what's life been like for you guys recently? I mean, you guys must have been really busy uh, getting this bike rocking. That's an understatement. But yes, especially during COVID, <laughs> um, we were all, the three of us were just out in the desert riding these basically in the, in the natural habitat. and. That's probably why we're all here together to talk about it, but it's been uh, it's been a great ride for that part of it. A lot of work leading up to that moment, though. Let me tell you. Oh, I'm I'm sure, and we will we will we will dive into that a little bit later. But could you guys please give us uh, just some very quickly your personal introductions, uh, what what you do, and uh, and why you do it? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the lead, I guess, on that one. I'm sure. I'm, I'm known as Throttle Girl, um, who's been my coined nickname, if you will, and I am a uh, motorcycle adventure. Uh, tour as well as multi-sport adventure. I have several different events within the motorcycle community, traditionally within the cruiser sector, where I help host events around the country at our larger rallies, raising from money for things I care about and uh, 
and the industry cares about. And I'm also a long distance endurance rider. So I'm known for doing several different long distance riding iron butt type style uh, runs. That's, that's my passion and that's my fuel. Awesome. What uh, charities do you kind of work on or develop if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, no problem. Um, primarily, um, my two causes for myself personally is I, I tend to rally around our U.S. veterans when it comes to homelessness and PTSD, the scars um, a lot of these men and women come home with that, that we don't see. That, that seems to pull me in that much more. So I always am rallying around our men and women in service and their families as well as I am deeply connected to the Pine Ridge Reservation and my Lakota family there and um, doing a lot of sustainability and empowerment and helping out in any way that I can there. Empower not only the people to, you know, really preserve and uphold their own traditions and who they are as, as a people, but also empower them for a better tomorrow. For sure. You know, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I think we should do a separate show on, on, on that like on some of the veteran writing community and some of the programs and stuff like that. I know there's a lot of the motorcycle community. We've been, you know, helping out some of the MRP for, for years. And uh, if, if there is a topic that deserves a show, at least one, that is one of them. I'd sure. love to partake in that. You know, I don't talk yeah. super outward yeah. about a lot of, of the service in the world. I, I have people also write in and tell me, will you please come help and support? So I do a lot of nonprofit management and over the last decade, Personally, as Throttle Girls helped raise over eight hundred thousand dollars for different different uh, charities, as well as you know, more importantly, it's more about moving more than wheels, and that's what I mean when I'm always calling out Throttle Up, and, and so that service in the world is is near and dear to my heart. Right on, you get mad mad applaud track, mad applaud track for that one. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, well, fantastic. It's what we get to do. All right, excellent, uh, Matt Swedlin. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've been a rider for almost 20 years now. I, my family has uh, ridden for a long time. And uh, actually, my first motorcycle, my dad came home with a brand new 100th anniversary Road King. And he's like, hey, you want to ride? I'm like, sure. He's like, all right, go. So that was my first motorcycle. He brought it into the, uh, into the garage and just said, go ahead and take it. So I rode around the block and I was hooked and uh, <clears throat> ended up getting on a little, uh, uh, Yamaha that I rode for a number of years and then uh, I've spent a lot of time in the kind of in and around the motorcycle industry working in advertise for advertising agencies for Harley and uh, now for Harley Davidson directly and ironically before I started at Harley uh, I was mostly a cruiser rider but in the last five years have actually gotten into adventure touring particularly with my dad uh, which has been great we've done a trip in South Africa and we did a ride in Patagonia all in the last five years. So it was a nice preamble, a nice a nice way to just join Harley just before uh, the Pan America launch. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm sure that that gave you some real direct experience, mm -hmm. right? And in, in, in trying to understand the, the, the crowd that this would be targeted to, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different, you know, different machine, different terrain. Uh, there's a lot of things that are different about it. And having that experience certainly helped to be able to, you know, both talk to consumers and, and media and, uh, you know, be able to help bring this uh, project to life. Awesome. And Matt Paradise, Dice, aka Chewy, if you go back far enough. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> uh, Matt Paradise, I was the tech lead, uh, technical lead engineer on the project for Pan Am, which means I've basically been working on it for the last four and a half years or so. 
I started at Harley as a college intern in engineering uh, back in 2003. So I've been there for quite some time, worked on lots of lots of the big projects Harley's done over the years. This one was wow. far, uh, you know, the most ambitious, I would say, is a good word for it, uh, being a new segment, uh, you know, performance at all costs, et cetera. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun uh, and being here talking to you at, at the end of this project, knowing that we got this to completion, that we were all riding it, and it's a great great time to ride it it's uh it's special for me to be here too so excited well that's, well that's awesome thanks for taking the time um so that means that you i mean 2003 you've been there a while so that means you came in probably right around the v-rod right we can talk about v-rod that was part you know we were talking about some of the questions we might talk about here and v-rod has its place in this story here so we can we can get into that oh know. very cool very cool didn't know that that's awesome that's awesome okay so since it's such a new model that the general public uh, you know, may not have heard of. I think a lot of people, and I think we already have some folks in here. Uh, Ohas Hemp House in the chat room says so got uh, this Pan American special two weeks ago. I love it. Definitely need to put more miles on it. So we've got some current riders in the house. But um, what what are people's reactions when you you know kind of tell them what what you're riding? You know, because it doesn't look look like anything else, and uh, you know, and it may be kind of kind of confusing if you come up to say even a Harley rider. That just hadn't happened to have heard about the release. I've had people turn around to stop, like to <laughs> chase me down, and I and I kid you not. <laughs> like as a woman on a motorcycle, as it is, like you know, it, it you 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 garner a little bit more of attention because it's like, wow, a woman on a bike. And then like gas stations are impossible for me because I have a gift to gab anyway. And then now on this Pan America, there is no coming in like slow or, you know, you're, you're spending time. People are approaching you. They're wanting to know about it. Like I said people, a father and son crew turned around and followed me and actually, you know, stopped me to ask questions. And it, there's a lot of excitement. A lot of people and people are asking really good technical questions about the bike. They're not just like, oh, that's a pretty bike. Like, People want to know what's behind it. What's, you know, it, it's it's exciting to be a part of. It really is. That's awesome. And 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 guys, I mean, have you had any time to write it in public? Yeah, it's a, like Kelly said, it's a conversation starter. You know, when you roll into a gas stations, particularly when we were out riding it in California, out in the desert. You know, there'd be other adventure riders who, you know, if we were riding just a cruiser, you'd you know do the cursory hello and say, you know, where you're going. But in this case, they immediately were like, hey, is that the Pan America? And they, like Kelly said, they dig right in and ask a bunch of questions. Um, and it just, it is, that's cool. It's cool to have that interest and to be able to talk to these uh, folks and explain, you know, how the bike was put together and, and all answer all of their questions. Um, it's fun. It's it, like Kelly said, it's, it's hard to get out of the gas station sometimes. Awesome. Uh, you know, we talked about this bike years ago now teasing it a little bit which is pretty rare in product development so this is the only project i've ever worked on where we were able to talk about it openly and actually ride them on the streets during the testing phase mm. which was pretty cool and uh so if you follow harley or if you're just watching casually the motorcycle world you probably have heard about it at least a little bit over the last couple of years so the people who know are already looking for it and that that's what i think makes the cool conversations when you run into someone like that yeah, right on, right on. All right, so let's go ahead and dive right on in. Let's start at the very beginning, square one. So for years, a lot of people were wondering, you know, if the motor company was going to come out with something in this segment. You know, I know that there was a guy that took a Sportster-based motor, you know, made made the frame. He was actually on our 100th issue cover. I mean, it was a 
beautiful bike. There was a lot of work into it. Uh, and then later on, there were some guys that were selling scrambler kits for sportsters and stuff like that. And so it seemed like people were just chomping at the bit to get something, you know, off road at Harley. You know what I mean? So, you know, where did the idea come from? How about the name Pan America? I mean, you I mean, where did that come from? And uh, were there any alternatives that bounced around? Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, the, the impetus for this bike came from consumer research. So we have a, uh, you know, pretty uh, in-depth uh, product planning team. And they are always, you know, continuously doing research on, you know, the existing segments that we're in you know, outside segments that we that we may play in. And as they were doing all of that research, it became very clear that, you know, like you said, there was a lot of interest already in a Harley, an American adventure touring bike. So they kind of went through all of that process, you know, pulling, putting all the pieces together. And then that's when Matt and his team got involved and started, you know, benchmarking and figuring, okay, if we're going to do this, you know, what does this look like? And what are the what are the things that we have to hit? You know, what are those tech pieces that we have to hit? You know, in order to be competitive. So there was, I mean, and Matt can talk uh, a bit more about it. But you know, the goal was we we knew that going into if we were going to jump into this segment, it's a super competitive segment, and people are, you know, very proud of the specifications of their you know the particular model that they uh, that they ride. So we we took a humble but confident approach, and hey, this is what we're how we're going to get into this segment and you know pan america uh, you know the product naming is always kind of a fun challenge um you can be just all over the board but in general you're you're trying to find a name that both fits with the brand uh and also with the motorcycle kind of the attributes and what you want the you know that name to portray you know and the the pan american highway is the uh, longest motorable road in the world so that just that made sense uh, from the beginning to to go with Pan America, and it's uh, and it's worked out really really well so far. And, and everybody's like I said, everybody's super happy um, with the result and and where we're at. Development story behind Fetch and Virod, which is why I wanted to talk about it right here, is I think it's a pretty cool story. So as Matt was mentioning, with lots of research, you know, where's Harley going to go into new markets? At the same time, Virod was on its way out. It was 2016, 2017. That was the last model year for V-Rod. We knew we could make horsepower with a 60-degree V the way we did on V-Rod. Um, so we were looking at, you know, how what's the next performance Harley going to be? Where is it going to fit while this research was going on? And that's it ultimately led to we, we want to be an adventure touring. We think we could play. But where the V-Rod thing comes into play is it's a 60-degree V structure. We did a couple things differently. There's no parts that are same, the same as V-Rod. Everything's completely new. But the bore and stroke are the exact same as the last V-Rod 1250. We started there. We knew we could make that horsepower. We built a whole new motor off of that off of that platform. So that's what I thought the cool development started. And then we we married that to where the customer research research was telling us where can we put a performance Harley Davidson, and uh, all that came together. And, and as Matt was saying, we set stringent requirements of top performance that we wanted to meet. We'll talk about that later. But it's uh that that's what that's where it came from, development wise and customer research. And part of it too, I'll say you know the cool part is, you know, adventure touring is also in the history. You don't think of adventure touring right off the bat when you think of Harley, but, you know, you go back, we, you know, Harley's coming up on, uh, you know, 120 years. And I was sitting in the, at the museum, the Harley Museum, sitting in the restaurant um, a couple of years ago. And they're always playing archival footage. And there were guys, it's, it was easily from the mid thirties, early forties, just, uh, you know, going, doing water crossings, going into the woods. I mean, 
there definitely is kind of that adventurous spirit and that adventure riding mentality that's been in the kind of the essence of the brand. And it's, you know, moved on road, um, you know, since the advent of the interstate system, but that was, that's there, that's, that's baked in the essence of the brand. And that's what we felt like, you know, us going into adventure touring feels right. And like Matt said, from the technical side, we knew we could get there from a performance aspect. You know, some of the coolest people uh, I ever met on the road were straight up riding Harleys, you know, awesome people. And also some of the most mile eating people I've ever met were on Harleys. I think I remember I was coming down the Blue Ridge Parkway one time and we just pulled over at an overlook and uh, this little guy runs up on a little Honda, I think it's those Honda Elite scooters. And his name, I think, was Dave Willett. And I think his bike is in your museum. Anyway, he, he carried around pictures of himself and and uh, and he told us his stories. I think he did something like half a million miles on his bike and then and then uh, and then traded it in, I guess. Um, and this was would have been an 03. So Harley Davidson gave him a new bike, but he kept a log. He had like this, he had this like massive encyclopedia sized log of every single oil change. And I guess that's what the engineers were really after. But that's actually where I got my little ride safe, have fun with. He says, he says, like, well, what do you want me to write on it? And I said, just give me some words of wisdom from a guy that's been around. And he straight up says, ride safe, have fun. And I still use that to this day. And it's, you know, absolutely fantastic. Uh, so just absolutely, you know, some of the best people, you know, but um, to kind of go back to the question, sorry to interject. Were there any other alternative names or is that like, is that like kind of like industry secret stuff? But were there any weird names that were bouncing around? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, it was a little bit of an industry secret. I think we kind of landed on Pan America pretty quickly. Um, and that was just one that we always circled back with. So it just seemed to seem to fit the best uh, from from the beginning. Okay, awesome. So you know we've seen manufacturers make even slight direction changes on their model lines. Uh, you know, and sometimes there's a mixed feeling about changing the quote unquote core of what a brand represents. And I've seen, uh, you know, personally, sometimes this has caused a little bit. I don't say friction. But there were some misunderstandings internally, you know, uh, when a new product like this is in development. Some folks are really excited to see it, and some some see it as necessary, while others are more resistant to change. Were there any mixed feelings about this project, you know, initially from your guys' side? No, not really, because like I said, the product planning team had, you know, he had that stack of, uh, you know, his oil logs. They had the same thing, a stack of research that really showed that, you know, a, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but, there, you know, a huge percentage of Harley riders also had an adventure touring bike in their garage and were open to Harley having a adventure touring option. And then the research, you know, in the segment also showed that there was this desire to have an American option. So, you know, from the very beginning, it just seemed like, you know, the right decision. And there, you know, everyone's like, okay, and like Matt said, the conversation twists then, okay, now, how do we do this? And what are those benchmarks that we have to hit? So it's, it just made, like I said, it made a lot of sense right from the start. Is it possible to comment on when you guys actually started working on this as, as a concept, roughly even? I'll give you two thoughts on that. It's not really true to say a date or a time because of some of this yeah. thinking and what we were going to do, what was it going to be that, you know, that didn't really start the clock, if you will. But I will say, to Matt's point, uh, so the project I was working on last, right before this, was Milwaukee 8, which was the classic Harley engine that's out there right now. And, uh, you know, keeping the, the look, sound, and feel of Harley in that motor was extremely important. And uh, I was passionate about it. So when I first 
came over to Pan America, I actually, I did have my own reservations, you know, changing Harley's, Harley's uh, looks on and feel for a different platform. But this is going into a completely new space. We believed we, we could bring something to the table that was Harley, that was North American. It, by, the, by what we had with the, the design of the motor, by the architecture of the vehicle, and some of the innovations we brought that we can talk about later, like uh, you know, hydraulic lash adjustment for no valve adjustment and uh, the lowering of the, of the suspension at stops, things like that. So we were pretty confident we were coming into a market with a great bike, um, and that's where we started. So there was some trepidation, I would say, because it is very different than every other Harley that's out there. But we also did Livewire a year ago or so. I'm at, it's probably what you're thinking too about uh, you know, when we changed change direction. So there was some of it, but again, it's in a new, whole new segment and we traded off some of those things to get performance because this was a no-nonsense no nonsense vehicle. Yeah, and a lot of those, like Matt said, a lot of those questions were pretty easily answered by the research. So when you're thinking like, well, should, should this happen? Well, we have, we had all the data from product planning team. We'd be like, no, this is, this is what we, what we need to do. And like Matt said, Matt said, he's been working on this project for a little over four years and every every project is different. Every product's different depending on the, you know, when it starts. And like I said, there's not really an exact date because that, that you know, research kind of evolves over time um, as they're going through their processes. But, you know, it's been, been about that long. And uh, we're just, like Matt said, excited to see it out in the wild now. As a consumer, I was incredibly excited about this bike. Like just the fact that Harley, like I had always been bar and shield girl, eating up the miles out there in my endurance stuff, but I'm also have other sides of, of me as a guide out in the world. I have a skiing background. I, you know, I spend a lot of time trekking and love and river play these years. And and so for me to get out into other parts of the world and be able to really harness more of who I am as a personality and, and, and access these remote places, you know, I had jumped ship and I started actually working for a company and working as a coach in training and a guide um, for, for a company that actually um, uses a, a different bike that is one of the contenders of, of Harley. And so having time on that bike when I got the opportunity a couple of years ago now to actually put my leg in and, and ride one of the prototypes, I knew at the very first swing of my leg over it in the first ride that Harley Davidson was on to something incredibly special and me jumping ship and going to these other bikes to access what I want to do in my global travel in the world, like it just, it made sense. It was Harley. They were coming out with it. It fits so many personality, you know, desires, needs out there. And, and quite frankly, it fits better than any bike I've ever, I've ever sat on in this space personally. So I can't wait to get into that more with you as well. Awesome. Now, uh, also this, this is a little bit off, but it's just like, uh, you know, when, when we first saw as market slash like consumer, when we first saw the leaked images, of what the bike was gonna look like. I was gonna be straight with you. Some of us was kind of scratching our heads. What was a visual inspiration for the bike? Yeah, you know, if you, uh, there's a couple different things. So like Matt mentioned earlier, you know, one of the, again, you're trying to find a balance between the, the brand DNA and doing something a little bit different. Yeah. And our styling department, you know, obviously one of the key tenants to Harley Davidson styling is the engine as like kind of the crown jewel. So. We wanted to have that from the beginning, wanted to keep that. Um, a lot of the cruisers kind of have that triangle uh, where you go you know, from the bottom up to the tank, to the back, 
and uh, Pan America has more of a linear uh, line. And so then it was kind of taking in some of those other styling cues and figuring out, okay, we're going to do a front end that's a little bit different. Um, you know, we did a lot of, again, a lot of competitive research and a lot of other bikes, um, you know, look, look a lot the same, have a kind of a pointed beak look. So we wanted to do something different. And if you look at the Pan America and we've, you know, we've talked about it, it has a little bit of that feel of a road glide, uh, you know, that front headlight kind of feels like a little bit like the Fat Bob. So it's kind of piecing and picking a few of those brand tenants and then coming up with something something a little bit different. So you're always trying to find that line. And our, the partnership between our styling team and our engineering team is pretty amazing. And it's uh, kind of a, you know, it's, I wouldn't say uh, it's not fighting, but it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like a little tug of war trying, okay, we want to do this. And then engineering's like, okay, how are we, how are we going to do that? And they try and do that, that back and forth, I think, is one of, you know, Harley-Davidson's strengths. And even when you look at, like, the cruising uh, bikes or touring bikes, you line up a 2021 next to a 2000, visually, they look very similar. And that's a conscious decision. And But technology-wise, underneath in that 2020 is, you know, worlds different. You know, the suspension, the electronics. So that, you know, finding those, trying to make that happen, keeping that classic style, but, you know, bringing in that technology, uh, the modern technology is a huge undertaking. And it was the same for Pan Americas. We knew, like I said, we knew we had to have a lot of these different specs and a lot of these different technologies to be competitive. And when you talk about, Matt mentioned, you know, like uh, adaptive ride height was something new that we thought would be really, really vital. Um, so trying to bring that all into the bike, but also make a very a visual, a visually appealing um, uh, platform. So again, it's it's pretty, it's really cool to listen. If you go back to, uh, you know, I would encourage people to go back and rewatch some of the video of the, from the launch of Brad Richards, who's the VP of Styling, and how he talks about it, and really get an understanding of kind of that uh, their POV and what they're what they're trying to accomplish. Did you guys document the process at all? Yeah, there's some, I think there's some footage um, that we've kind of pulled in. Some of it was in that uh, kind of the launch launch media that we came out with. And uh, we usually, as you know, particularly as products are coming out, we, we will document that stuff and it gets used eventually at, you know, at different later points. So, you know, performance-wise, we've only heard good things. I know, you know, Kelly has has talked to me a little bit about this, but also some other people, you know, as as well as our own uh, Justin Coffey, who went out to the junket. Uh, actually, the Pan America will be on the cover of our next issue. I think he worked very hard with the photographer, Kevin, out there to get some quality cover shots, you know, and uh, basically everyone, everyone said, man, this thing just got gobs of power. I was surprised by the weight, you know, by the low weight, but, you know, like any ADV or dual sport design, there must have been a fair amount of challenges in designing a bike that you know is truly versatile on and off road. Everybody from anywhere that we've ever talked to says, "How do you how do you design a bike that can take hard hits and jump, but at the same time be be comfortable and smooth on you know the pavement and you know you know carving you know canyons and stuff like that?" So, what are some of the challenges that you guys encountered, and you know how did you sort of tackle them as far as developing the bike performance and stat wise? So the stats, the specs, the horsepower, the fuel range, all those things were things that we, we benchmarked and we knew we weren't going to compromise on them. And that's where the hard work came in. When we talk about the styling and engineering, 
working together. We wanted to show that engine. We wanted to show the mechanically interesting engine, uh, which isn't really typical in this, you know, in the segment. We wanted to bring the Harley, what we thought was most important in the segment to the bike. And we didn't compromise on it. Weight was number one. Cost was up there. Uh, 150 horsepower, uh, like I said, 250 miles of riding range. All those things drive certain choices to the motorcycle. One other thing is uh, the ergonomics of when you sit, you know, when you when you straddle the bike and how much the tank is pushing on your legs. To ride it aggressively on street for sport riding, you know, we had strong requirements there. So what that did was to show the engine and accomplish all those things, you're pushing the airbox, the fuel tank, and the frame above the engine, which isn't typical in the segment. That's a hard engineering challenge. Yeah. The shapes, the style, uh, and uh, and keep the weight down, keep the low center of gravity, et cetera. And so we made some tough choices. We, we made that fuel tank out of a, a modern process uh, aluminum, which is a pretty cool shape to make aluminum that way. For that reason, it's the highest part on the bike. And we made an aluminum save about seven pounds there with the battery down low. And we knew exactly where we wanted to hit all those things, like I was saying. And to that, that trade-off of stretching what it looked like and where parts could go on the bike, finally coming up with, you know, what we thought was the Harley version of an adventure bike that met all those specs that did not compromise anything. You know, this is not a big twin walkie eight with knobby tires. This is a, you know, all new motorcycle that competes in every, every category that it can. And uh, that's where that hard work came in. It was, it was the trade-off balance between all those things. And we just didn't stop until we got there. And that's really what the bike is. Man, that sounds like I'm just must've been a ton of work. You know what I mean? Work. <laughs> yeah. So, so for example, so, so for example, you know, one of the hardest air, you know, power delivery is, you know, some bikes have more, some bikes have less and they deliver in different ways, but suspension is one of the things that basically every, every adventure dual sport bike has to, has to have sorted, you know what I mean? So were there, were there any particular details on, on how you guys sorted that out? Well, the suspension is one of the, the bright spots of the bike. It really is with the electronic modes and the selectable damping, the adaptive ride height that lowers at a stop, it, it really works well. The adaptive ride height, we always thought was the ace up the sleeve in this in this market. We could deliver a Harley that competed in all these specs and also drop the seat height and brought more people to the sport on a full-blown adventure bike that had full capability. We thought it was going to be a big deal and a big hit. But the suspension, even without that, the, the normal uh, suspension that you get with this with the active damping and things like that, it's, it's just a really great system. And when you flip between the modes, between sport mode where it firms it up or you go to a little bit more plush, you know, it'll eat up the road if you want it to and it'll be taut when you want it to and everything in between. So it's, it's, it's a bright spot of the bike for sure. Well, that's awesome. And I hope we have a chance to, to see one here on the East Coast. And I get a chance to put my butt in one because it sounds really exciting, you know? It's, it's fantastic. So Kelly, you've been riding this. Uh, for, for a little while. Uh, could you give us like a little mini review of how the bike, uh, you know, rides? Yeah, you know, if, if I start back to my, again, I got to ride the Pan America when it was, um, there was only 10 prototypes in the world at that time. It was a, it was a little nerve wracking, to be honest, <laughs> when you're sitting on, on something when there's only a few of them, right? Ride this. I knew then at that point in time, at that point in time, just watching the crew and knowing what they were going through to really fine tune the details of this bike. But as a rider, again, coming from your traditional Harley market. And quite frankly, no matter how many hundreds of thousands of miles logged, when you transfer over from this segment into the adventure world, many of the bigger bikes are quite intimidating. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, while I love the power, I mean, I ride a road glide, that's my go-to. So 
for me, a big bike is, is, is kind of my staple, right? So I'm used to that. But even then, like these big 1250s were, were ginormous and intimidating. So when I sat on that, that original prototype, I knew right then, and I didn't even have the adaptive ride height at that time, but I could still sit there with of my feet completely flat. And it just felt so balanced. The tank is streamlined. And everything about that thing just sung really user-friendly. And so I was really excited about that out of the gate. And of course, at that point in time, there was a lot of stuff we were ironing out, or Harley was anyway, and I just got lucky to be along for the ride. Fast forward a few years later, coming to the U.S. launch, I was invited again, and that's where Matt, Matt and I had an opportunity to have a lot of fun and really put it through the paces the, the the production bike, like this is what it was going to be. And that was the first time I had ever um, experienced the adaptive ride height. And as it's already, a that's a game changer. That's going to be a game changer, I think, for the industry, industry wide. You know, so to come out of the gate with not only a new bike and in a, seg a segment that's very well established, um, and then to come out shooting with something brand new like that that's going to revolutionize is huge. So hats off to you guys on that one. <laughs> um, but as we were riding around and we got to rip around the Mojave Desert, and we got to do a lot of scouting for the press launch routes and different things. And so in those days, we took 550 miles and we got to really experience twisty mountain roads. We got to experience off-road, uh, the different tires that are available, the different accessories, really just got to sink the claws in it. And right then I knew I was all in. Oh. My favorite, my favorite miles, if I had to, my favorite miles are off-road. This bike is a dirt bike in so many ways. And I love that. I absolutely love that it's a chain drive and everybody's going to have an opinion on that. But again, when you know your goals as a rider and what you want to accomplish on a bike, I want to travel the world. And I want to do that with a, a chain bike while maybe a little bit more maintenance. It's going to get me in places where I could get myself out of a bind and be back on the road. And that's really important for me. And just like anything else for the people crossing over and start, you know, educate yourself. What does it mean to have a chain drive, you know? And it's really simple, really, once you know, but it is. There's some maintenance involved. Um, so off-road for me, I have a little 250L in my garage that I have outfitted as a little BDR bike. And there was one time we were up by this mine shaft and coming down and it was loose rock and, and, and dirt and coming down on this. And there was a couple times where I was like, I just cannot believe that this is a 1250. There's no way this might as well feel right now as just an extension of me, like my little 250L. Granted, it's big, bigger, obviously, right? That, but I mean, that's pretty extreme. But, but that is just how in love with how it fits. It just becomes an extension of you. I call it riding my dragon, right? <laughs> it just becomes a part of me, and it's it, I, I'm over the moon with the way it fits. And then when you talk about the power, um. Yeah, yeah, what's up with the power? I mean, like, what are your thoughts on the power and the way it gets delivered, especially off-road? Because, you know, a lot of people, the, the torque is, it's it's a pro and a con when you're off-road, depending on how, how you're riding. But it's so incredibly smooth. It, it never lets up. It rolls all the way through. So, I mean, it's got power on the low end and the high end, and it just carries it so smoothly yeah. through the entire in, entire process. It, it's actually, like... I've kept telling Matt when we were riding it together, I'm like, you should be really proud of you and your team with <laughs> building a motor like this. And Yeah, Matt, D, so how did you, you know, spec the power delivery on that motor throughout the rev range? 
is it different when you're when you're trying to you know you do it for a for a cross or off-road application versus just street there must be some differences lots of differences in the calibration uh the overall you know top horsepower number that we talked about the 150 horsepower and also drivability with some torque down low typically when you're making high revving high horsepower engines you're, you're missing something somewhere and that's where we added that vbt system so we got a pretty complex vbt system on each cam and that was our way of getting that low end torque drivability back down low uh without sacrificing the 150 horsepower number that we really wanted but then our calibration team just rode tons and tons of miles and all sorts of trails in every condition and really dialed in the, how the throttle body reacts to what you're doing with your hand and that's really why it feels as good as it does oh awesome 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 so uh power is so impressive it really i mean until people experience and even in the in on the street on the tarmac like you said how can you have one that does one so well but does the other so well and you can say that about almost every aspect of this bike as far as i'm concerned like even in in the turns and on the on the tarmac i use cruise control not because i just want to keep a steady speed i'm using cruise control because i need it to simmer my happy ass down <laughs> this bike wants it's a little rocket ship it wants to go and i need you know i need it to keep me in check quite frankly it's but it's and you can say that about the size of the bike too josh who's also a team member of harley who's not here tonight He's actually a rather large man and, um, you know, he's, he's a big boy and we would sit there and we would talk and he'd be like, he goes, how is it possible that I can sit on this bike and say that this is the best fitting bike I've ever sat on, but you, a five, seven woman can sit here and say the exact same thing. Josh is six, six, right? Six, 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 seven. He's, he's, he's a tall dude. You know, there are some bikes that are like that, though. I don't know what it is, but it's just a magic geometry thing. You know, one of the ones for me that was odd, was like that, was, I don't know if you guys remember the old Ninja 250s. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm over six feet. I could ride that thing all day. And my wife is, you know, maybe a little over five feet. If she could ride that thing comfortably. I never saw anyone get on that bike that felt uncomfortable. You know what I mean? I mean, some bikes are just built like that. You know, that's, that's awesome. So how many miles have you racked up on it so far? So, um, <laughs> so at the, the media ride between the prototypes and stuff, I have 550 miles there. Recently, I, because I knew I was all in, I didn't want to mess around. I dropped in and said, I'm owning one of these. <laughs> I need one of these in my barn. And so I purchased one down in Vegas, which is where it sits now. And this is, I put a thousand miles on that. And we have a thousand miles on it right now. And I'm just going to be real honest because it's part of the story and it's part of the adventure that it is the story. And, and I've had troubles with it. I've had troubles along the way. And I'm not going to say it's because it's a new bike. And I'm not going to say that the issues that I feel that I'm having with this bike is something that any bike would have. I feel like I'm just a lucky lottery winner. And, you know, in some ways I want to Say that I'm glad that it's me because I, I do have people that I can call and we can talk and try to figure out what's going on. So, I mean, but then at the same time, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that it's a little bit of a disappointment as a consumer coming out, but I know that it's going to get fixed. I know it's just a speed bump. And if anything, it's made me more, it, I have gotten more intimately connected to my bike. I was telling Matt earlier, I was like, we can start talking about like the different stuff in the motor now and the components. Let's talk phasers. Let's yeah. talk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good old phasers. Well, right? you know, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, over the past decade or so, I've been doing this. So we've seen lots of bikes get launched and, uh, you know, it, it just happens. If you're an early 
adapter of a model, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes those things just happen. But you know, really, the main thing is is you know how is it how is it supported? So you know, like what is what is the the Harley Davidson kind of um, policy on that? You know. Yeah, we uh, you know I think one thing to realize too, and you know, you maybe mentioned it earlier. You know, we we're just as disappointed. We want folks out riding, so that's why we put a huge emphasis on customer service. Customer service is you know a vital vital part of all of our product launches, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a we have a full process that we go through. So when somebody uh, you know like Kelly taking the bike into the dealership, you know the dealership does a diagnostic that goes back to our customer service team, and that's something that becomes kind of a hub, and then we're able to you know, work through those issues and, and get people back out, uh, out on the road. And uh, I think that's, you know, like I said, it's just something where we we want to have those um, steps in place because we want people back out riding as, as much as they do. So, and I, you know, we, we've all been there. It's, it's frustrating. And uh, we have, I can tell you that we have customer service conversations every week. That's um, something that we're very, very focused on. Absolutely. I'm sure it's, it's an ongoing thing. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially when they're excited about an awesome new model like this, uh, you know, set really high expectations. Like I said, I've seen it before, um, you know, but at the end of the day, they're machines and we're people. And, uh, and, and we have to give uh, each other some, some room to be both. Kelly, did you want to say something? It looked like you said. Yeah, I just, I do want to comment on that, you know, like it is, it's amazing, you know, how, the support is what Harley Davidson in this country is known for. Like, and there's reasons as in the cruiser sector with my road glide and some of the ambitious stuff I've taken on doing on that bike, I have stuck with Harley over the year. And, and I'm not a team rider. I'm not an ambassador. You know, I've stuck with Harley though, because I know that within a hundred miles, I can get service. I can zoop in and get an oil change and be right back out on the road. And they prioritize that. And that's a really comforting feeling. So I think as the Pan America, especially, you know, there's, it's new. So people are getting used to new and, and there's that whole part. And that, that's understandable. That's part yeah. of it. And I think it's, it takes time. Yeah, it's going, it's going to be a well-oiled machine when it's going. And that should give people a lot of confidence as time goes on here that it's, that it's solid and that's something to rely on. Awesome. So where do you guys see the Pan America fitting into the current adventure market space? I mean, as you guys mentioned earlier, right? I mean... There's a lot of bikes in there now, definitely more than there was <laughs> 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And I mean, so how do you see it fitting in and who do you think is its closest competitor? Oh. Ah, that's a good question. You know, we, like Matt said, we didn't want to compromise on the, the, the tech and spec. And the goal was to make a very capable but approachable motorcycle. So if you compare the Pan America with a lot of the competitors, it's kind of tough to pick one because we've got more horsepower than another, and we got more more torque than another. We and one of them might have a little more torque. It's the Pan America was meant to kind of sit right in the middle and be competitive, be competitive on a lot of those the tech and spec with that you know additional suspension, adjustable ride height to make it you know even more approachable. And that's that's really what we're trying to do is trying to open up adventure touring to more more riders and so you kind of put all that stuff together um you know obviously you know bmw is the is the leader so we we you know we want to make them nervous and have uh you know have a product that's very very capable but like i said too earlier 
you know, we did not want to just kind of come in and say that we've got this, you know, we've got the best bike. We wanted to come in with a bike that spoke for itself and be humble, but confident knowing that this segment is so competitive. Yeah, that's awesome. And spec wise, Matt Paradise, how do you, how do you feel that it, that it stacks up? I know you, you talked a lot about targeting, you know, the specs that existed in, in the market when you, when you, when you built it, but I mean, you, you guys feel pretty confident that you've met that or exceeded it? We met our, our internal requirements and to, to lean on what Matt was saying, you know, we didn't go for the highest horsepower in any, any of these segments. You know, we, we, some of the things I talked about earlier about how big the airbox could be, where the frame is, where the fuel tank was, you know, had we gone for peak horsepower above all else, the bike would look a lot different than it does right now. But we, hmm. the, the key to this bike is balance. Balance is the term. It, it's what we believed was the, hmm. the requirements that are needed to be right there with the full-blown adventure bikes. When we planned this out years ago, we even looked a little bit ahead where we thought they could be at this point in history. And we think we're right there. But then also the bike is just so well balanced at so many things. Sport riding on road, off road, the modes allow you to Basically, you could leave off-road mode on and, and really not think about it, or you could turn it all off and ride it like a dirt bike. All those things combined with high top speed, uh, high speed stability, fully loaded, you can carry it at 135 miles an hour, which is also really rare in, in the motorcycle segment. All those things, it's, it's, it's not compromising on any of those things that we thought would make a great motorcycle. And the result of that is a nicely balanced motorcycle that does so many things very well. So it's hard to say. You know, if you compare, not to name any names, but the other ones in the in this segment, you'll find little things that they're better at in certain segments, like Matt was saying. The Pan Am is right there on all of them. It might not be the, the absolute leader in any particular category, but balance is where it shines. Right on. So w would you guys say uh, this is the most versatile bike Harley has, has made? I mean, I know that's a lot to say, but... Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you say that. <laughs> This is the most versatile bike Harley <laughs> Davidson has made. Well, I mean, it's, it really, that was the, like Matt said, that was the goal. And if you look, if you could do a stack comparison and you look at, yeah. you know, seat height, weight, uh, horsepower, torque, everything, it just, mm. it kind of goes like this along the, uh, uh, along the, the specter. It really is, a, you know, a truly a very versatile and approachable uh, motorcycle so you can get on it and like we experienced in the uh, i experienced you know watching some of the media guys who were just crazy uh, good riders and they turned everything off and were doing some you know they were jumping it they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff and i could get on it as a relative you know new rider and feel confident and, and you know and get through some some terrain as well and then kelly was nice enough to drop her bike after I dropped mine just to make me feel better. <laughs> I feel better. So thank you. For you. Yeah. Bike droppers <laughs> love company. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's true. Cool. Like the number one thing that people, well, yeah, I'll leave that tip later. But the, the number one thing that I see, I mean, I have a BMW 12, 1200 GS in the, in the barn right now. And so I can rip out of the garage tomorrow and ride that. And it's a great bike. I will never talk. It's a great bike. The Harley Davidson for me is a better fitting bike as a woman, as a lady rider. Um, but I love them both. You know, they they both are apples and oranges. I would have, you know, like these gentlemen are saying across the board, this bike excels. Like when that's the number one question I'm being asked that is, what is this bike like? What would you compare it to? Which one in its class? 
And, and quite frankly, you can't, you can't, like it's got enough of our KTM, like kind of your hardcore dirt lover in there. And then it's got your tarmac eating, loving, traveling America, BMW in there. And I mean, it, it's taken the best of everything and it's, it's just there. I'd say the second question I'm getting asked all the time is I'm going to trade in my road glide and just have it. And, mm, and, yeah. and, and that's an important, I think when people are out there looking for bikes and what, like really know what it is your riding style and what you're wanting to do. And that goes to, to picking out of any of the brands, even in the same sector, like what kind of riding do you want to do? Get to know, like, I am not going to trade in my road glide. If I want to do a 50 CC and scoop, Pacific and then Scoop Atlantic, I'm probably going to take my road glide because that thing is a road couch and that's what it's made for, right? Mm -hmm. right then, you know, but for me wanting to get in the backcountry and, and go into South America and I, there's no other bike I, I'd rather be on than an ADB and this Pan America is paving the way for that for me. Awesome. That's awesome. So looking down the road, what do you guys hope the Pan America does for both developing riders and the industry, you know, in the next five, 10 years or something like that. I mean, you know, in, in your mind, when you think it's like, man, what would make this a, a success for us? You know, not just in terms of sales or anything, but in terms of how it contributes to, you know, the genre of, of writing and people's lives. What do you hope it does? Sure, I think there's two parts to that. I think from, you know, from a industry aspect or, you know, a adventure riding aspect, you know, we, we're hoping that this brings more people into the sport and by, creating a, a very approachable motorcycle, no matter whether you're a beginner or you're advanced, you know, this is going to bring, you know, more people, make it easier for more people, hopefully to get into adventure touring. Um, and, you know, and from our side of things, you know, this is an awesome opportunity to showcase the talent that Harley has, um, you know, with Matt and his team and the styling team and really showing and proving to the industry and, and consumers that, um, you know, we, we are, uh, we can think outside the box. We are thinking outside the box and we're, we're coming with something that's really, really cool and, and is really, really performs well. Uh, so it's kind of a combination of those things. We always felt like there's a space for Harley in the adventure touring and we're looking to, you know, and bring our, you know, our, kind of our flavor to the party. Nice man. What do you think? Now we got the PR guy with us because I'll probably say something that I should. <laughs> We're going to have to talk after this, Matt. <laughs> to lean on what he said, I, I think it opens up, like I said earlier, this full-blown adventure sport to so many more people with lower suspension and the capability that it has. And it, if you wanted to, it will help you ride things that you might not on, on bikes with less technology. So the modes, the advanced ABS, the trash control, all these things with the adaptive suspension allow a fairly novice rider to do things on that bike that, including me, that you wouldn't dream of on a you know a, a older version or a less technology version motorcycle. So that's where I think the big the big uh, benefit is that people give it a chance and find themselves checking out this sport. The bike will will help you get through it and and, and deliver on something like that. If that happens enough, maybe maybe it catches fire in the country. Right on, man. You know that that actually chimes up with a with a comment that just came in the chat room by, by a regular viewer, Dona Main. He said, "If I like the Pan America, I'll trade my Monster in a heartbeat." Riding, riding Ducati. You never know where Pan America riders will come from, right? 
Well, that's a big part of it too, is, you know, doing, again, the product planning team doing the research, there was a distinct opportunity that this would be the way to bring new riders, you know, into the brand. And, you know, one of the, one of the guys that I know out in California, he just bought his, his, his very first Harley was a Pan America. Uh, his dad was always a Harley rider. And until this bike, he was like, man, you know, just not for me. And when he saw the first photo of the Pan America, he's like, that's, that's, that's the one. Um, and he's, he's, you know, he's having a great time. So that's, that was, you know, also the opportunity is just bringing more people into the umbrella, helping to grow the sport, you know, because Harley is such a, you know, big player in the industry. So, and we've seen that we've been going and demoing at uh, a bunch of the adventure riding rallies. And it's just been so cool to see, you know, the looks on people's faces and the reactions when they're like, wow, this is a really good bike. It's so cool to see you guys here. You know, as much uh, back and forth that people give each other for the different brands, overall, there's just a really good community in motorcycling. People just want to ride. People just want to have fun. So this is just another area for us to play in and, you know, like I said, have, you know, bring, bring something different to the table. So from here, you know, where do you think the Pan Am uh, or the Pan America can can evolve, and maybe even more importantly, you know, I need to push limits here a little bit on the live show. Are there any chances of a smaller, mid-sized adventure or scrambler down the trail? I think I think people were frothing at the mouth for some kind of a scrambler version to come out from Harley Davidson. Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. Can't say. Well, you know, this this like Matt said earlier, this bike we were for the first time I think in maybe ever. You know, we released photos of this bike early, um, and that's just what we decided to do before this launch. You know, now we're kind of back into not talking about, you know, new product and until we're ready to talk about it. But I, I will say that this platform definitely opens doors for us. So it's, it's going to be exciting. Awesome. You know, to go back to the point before as well, like as that girl crossing over, right, and, and experiencing it the last couple of years, that journey, I will have to say that once you cross over into the dirt and into the the adv sector it actually makes you a better street rider mm, yeah but, oh, it, yeah but it's important to also know i'm safety girl and all my friends and at camp and stuff everybody knows safety girl <laughs> so like i highly recommend that people take a a course you know there's courses all over this country yes there's the camp that that i've worked at and there's there's a ton of different places where people can go get the skills, but but be prepared as, as a as a rider who has spent a lot of time being ingrained that dirt bad, gravel bad, drop bike bad, right? This is a different world. And and as we said before, I always tell my people at the camp too, like, you're gonna drop your bike at some point. We're testing new skills, we're learning, right? Like we're learning new stuff. It's like telling a whitewater kayaker not to roll their bike. So you might as well just, or their boat. So you might as well just get used to it, right? Like, and so, I mean, there's these, these familiar, there's these like different things that people need to get used to, but it does make a person a better rider on the street as well. And I thought that that was really cool and huge. Yeah, I would, so, I would absolutely echo that. We, <laughs> Matt and I did the day of training after we rode for two days in the dirt, <laughs> which was, uh, which is, I would not recommend that, uh, do the training for, but, but when we did it, I can, Matt would, you know, we talked about it afterwards, just like, it was totally eye-opening, like, oh, okay, this is why I made, this is why I dropped my bike twice, this is why I went down, I was like, I totally understand now the why, why that happened, um, 
And so in doing that, even just a day, a couple days of training, and you know, the group that Kelly works for, they do a good job, a uh, great job of doing that. It makes a huge difference. Even for, we even, there was a, a yeah. Justin, you know, Justin Coffey, who was with us during that one training day. He's, you know, very, very good rider, very experienced. And even he came away with it and was like, yeah, you know what, actually, it's, it's a, such a great reminder of little things that, you know, you kind of forget. So if it's, you know, you know, brand new or experienced, more training is always better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Better to have the knowledge than not. So, uh, you know, there's hot new bike out. Uh, we've got a couple things. One is, you know, how does the supply look for folks wanting to get a hold of one? How do they do that? And I know you guys have a, have a fleet or some semis going around the country. Uh, you know what I mean? Offering some test rides. How does someone find out about those? Yeah, so we have, uh, there's a couple different ways. Uh, the easiest thing to do is just to contact your closest dealer. Um, we have several demo trucks um, that have the breadth of our product lineup in them that are going around the country. And then we also are doing a specific Pan America demo tour. And I'll, I have written down here a few of the um, different, like they're doing Laconia. So the demo tour is going to Laconia here. Um, also the Get On Moto Fest in South Dakota. It'll be at Sturgis. Um, Dirt Days. We're really kind of uh, doing a lot of these adventure events. And then also some specific dealer tour events. So if you Google Harley Pan America demo tour, you'll have a full list of where every, where those are at. Plus, uh, many dealers, you know, the bikes are in dealers now. They're they're continuing to roll in, into dealers. Obviously, the demand is pretty high, so we're doing our best to keep up with that. Uh, but many dealers uh, do have one demo unit, so. I would just say my advice is to call your dealer. They might have a demo unit or they'll know when the demo truck is, is coming into your area. How about being able to purchase them? Is that, I mean, are they pretty limited the first year or? Um, you know, we, we're going to keep producing them. Um, it's, like I said, the demand is high. So uh, there, cool. there probably will be uh, a little bit of a wait at this point, but um, we're, we're kicking them out as, as quickly as we can. Awesome. And a, a question from the room real quick is uh, from Dan. Is there a Harley Davidson training camp coming? That's a good question. Um, that's definitely something that we're looking into. Um, I would say what we we have done a, a training camp for our dealers and what has become a massive training uh, program for specifically for this bike. I, you know, one of the biggest ways this is going to be a success is if, is if dealers understand this bike, they understand adventure riding. So we have been since uh, I think April. Um, we've been doing three-day camps in California and sending dealers from all over the country uh, to go ride the bike, get a really good understanding from uh, of the adventure touring segment and the bike. And so that's, I think there's an opportunity to do that down the road for consumers too. That's so cool. You guys got the whole thing going here. Excellent. All right. Well, last but not least, uh, any words of advice for people looking to bring adventure riding into their lives? Kelly, you want to kick that off? Oh, goodness i think i already kind of i i hit on the biggest point you know there there's some things that we get so trained as people that are riding on the road uh traditional style that offer like safety you know like take a course educate yourself take it easy when you get out there at first braking's different playing in the friction zone you know just just familiarize yourself with the bike and you know it's really easy to want to just hit it and go out there but um 
do yourself, the industry, all of us, and your hospital and everybody else a favor and, <laughs> and take it at stride and, and do properly prepare yourself, proper gear, proper riding boots. That's one of our biggest injuries that we see is ankles and stuff, right, out here in this sport. So, so proper riding boots, proper riding gear. There's so many companies, even Harley's coming out with, and I got a chance, I've been riding for climb for a lot of years now, but I had a chance for our press assets and stuff to actually try the Revit on. And it's a quality garment as well. And and so really, I guess protection. And then, um, yeah, if you drop your bike, get up in Captain Jacket or whatever that is, or Captain Morgan's, whichever one, do the pirate on it and honk and, and celebrate that. Get over the... That, oh my God, I dropped my bike. <laughs> yeah, the anxiety of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kelly. And your brother, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> my other brother, Matt. Well, up here, Matt, come, uh, come last. But I would say, uh, for me, give Pan Am a shot. I think if you were not into adventure riding, it's a bike that allows you, if you're into riding at all, and you like performance, and you like a bike that can do everything, Give it a shot. Pan Am can take you places where you would not have gone before. Um, and, and that's what we intended it to be. And that's exactly what it is. And that's what we noticed when we wrote it. So I would say give it a shot. Awesome. Awesome. And the other brother, Matt. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I would, my advice is if you're thinking about just, just do it, you will not regret it. There are so many beautiful places in this country and around the world um, that you can go see you, you just need to do it. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, I just on a whim got into it because my dad and I were going to a wedding in South Africa. We were like, oh, we probably should rent bikes while we're here. And, you know, I haven't looked back since then. So, uh, you know, Kelly, to Kelly's point, obviously, I think training is huge, but just just do it. You, you will not regret it. There's just so many cool places. And if you like kayaking, you like hiking, this motorcycle is just going to get you someplace cool to go do those things. So it's, it's, it's a great utility tool. Yeah. Awesome. 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 And, uh, nothing like, you know, I always say, uh, life is short, explore the world and explore yourself. Ride safe, have fun. That's right. Ride safe, have fun. That's There's right. so many times in, in this country where I have, I mean, I've lost track of how many times I've gone back and forth and there's so many roads now that I've written over again, but there's always been those roads that I've looked down and go, I wonder where those go. And I've actually ridden the Mokidugue Highway and Valley of the Gods on my road glide where people are like, what are you doing? So did I. So right? Did I. And now to be able to go back on the Pan America or the, you know, just the adventure bike opens up so many other doors of those roads less traveled. Oh man, it'd be cool to see a rally version of the Pan Am. What do you think? Mexican <laughs> 1000 guys? What are you gonna do? Turn it up. Let's turn it up. Well, all right, guys. Thanks very much for coming on tonight. I know. Uh, uh, I know uh, you guys have been tired, really, just running around getting this thing ready. I can't imagine what the past few years have been like, but you know the the amount of anticipation and the work that has to go into what you guys have been doing over the past couple months. Uh, I know is tremendous. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to bring something to market from an idea and, and a concept. You know, it's not unlike uh, having a kid. Something comes into the world and it has its own life, you know, and you have to support it. It's gonna make its own mistakes and people are gonna see it kind of differently, but you just have to love it to pieces. And mm -hmm. in this case, ride the crap out of it, right? That's right. Awesome, awesome. Thanks guys, please stick around for a few minutes uh, while we close out the show. But again, thanks very much for uh, coming on tonight, okay? Appreciate it, thank you. 
All right. Well, that was uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, really uh, love having having these guys on. You know, thanks to Kelly, <laughs> her brother Matt, and her other brother Matt. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so stuck on that. For coming on tonight's show. You know, we're always so excited when new models come to the market, giving us more options to get our ADV on. That said, this is an exciting new era for Harley Davidson, and I believe we have a lot to look forward to and wish all the luck to the Harley crew as they explore new directions, both in bikes and themselves personally. And of course, as loud as I said, the journey of a thousand miles begins a single step. So everyone, please, for more information on the Pan America, please visit harleydavidson.com and uh, also uh, Kelly, I, I forgot to add it in the lower third, we're short on space. She is a throttle girl and you can find her on Instagram and all over the place. But uh, now for the next show. Everyone, please join us next month for another great ADV Moto live, this time number 27 in heaven on July 8th with prolific traveler and blogger Kinga Tanaeska. I hope I said that right. Hopefully in the next month I will learn to say it correctly, AKA, AKA on her bike. She's been riding around the world solo since 2017. We'll get an update on her travels and what it takes to create and publish a ton of different content while on the road. As always, your support means a lot. Keeps the motorcycle world running for sure. Visit VentureMotorcycle.com for more stories, news, reviews, videos, podcasts, and more, more, more. Don't forget, smash the Jesus out of that like and subscribe button. Let us know what you'd like to see in the show in the comments below. Until next time, from everybody here at EV Moto, ride safe. Have fun, and the adventure is you, you, you. Wow.